Hi, this is Lainey Cameron, and you're listening to the Best of Women's Fiction podcast. I'm a marketing expert, a digital nomad, and the author of the 12-time award-winning novel, The Exit Strategy. If you haven't read it yet, I'd love to know what you think. I created this podcast to showcase authors and books I admire, and I'm thrilled that this season, Ashley Hasty, book blogger extraordinaire and creator of the Hasty Book List, is joining me as a co-host. We'll be alternating weeks. In this episode, I chat with Elissa Grossel-Dickey, author of The Speed of Light. Hailed as thrilling and heartfelt, this is a novel that Kimberly Martin described as a gripping page-turner infused with a compassionate and insightful look at chronic illness. In the novel, the heroine is both dealing with her recent diagnosis of MS and a terrifying incident at the university where she works. Plus, Elissa gives us a sneak peek into her next novel coming in June. We are going to talk about The Speed of Light, which is a book I've wanted to have her on to talk about because it's near and dear to my heart, some of the themes of this book. But also, I'm hoping I can convince her to talk about the new book that's coming in June as well. I didn't necessarily prepare her for that, so hopefully she's (laughs) going to be ready for that. Elissa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be on here, seriously. I I wasn't sure just because my book is coming up on a year old, which I'm excited to celebrate the first year anniversary of The Speed of Light. Again, thank you. I really appreciate it. And where are you joining me from? I am joining you from sunny South Dakota. The joke being that, of course, it's winter here, and so it's usually very cold. So let's start by telling people about The Speed of Light. If if they haven't been lucky enough to read it yet, I am reading it right now. I adore this book. It's great. I'm about halfway through, and I'm really, like, in love with your main character. She's, like, resilient, and she's dealing with a lot. And um, tell people more about the book, because they they might not yet have heard of it. Awesome. Um, The Speed of Light is women's fiction told in intersecting timelines, and it covers um, a young woman's life as she deals with a multiple sclerosis diagnosis, along with new love in a terrifying, terrifying workplace incident. So essentially, we get in the present, it starts with this incident at work and then flashes back to the previous year where she was being diagnosed and dealing with that while meeting the love of her life. And so the timelines keep going. It's a very emotional story. And then in the end, they intersect. And I won't give that away, but. Yeah, no spoilers, no spoilers. (laughs) So I love, like, part of why I wanted to have you on is I love the fact that you wrote a character with MS and she's a heroine. She's dealing with this, but she's not falling into, actually, the heroine trope is one of the tropes, right? And in the disability world is this idea that anyone who lives with a chronic condition is a heroine just by getting up in the morning. And I kind of felt her, though, because she's dealing with all of this, right? But to me, I haven't seen that many books in women's fiction world where the lead character is leading her life, moving forward, and in this case is dealing with MS. Like, tell me more about writing that and where it came from. Sure. It's actually, it, it took me a while to kind of have the courage because, yes, that's one thing that you, you don't see a lot of main characters. You see maybe a side character and their journey is there just for the main character to get some perspective for their own life. And that's... No, that's not what I wanted to do at all, because yet I do, I live with MS. I had written two other manuscripts and finally, I kind of decided I was going to write this one for me. It it ended up being kind of therapeutic. It's it's hard to put such a personal story out there. And yet it was therapeutic for me to write it. And I wrote basically the story I needed when I was first diagnosed. 
but it has turned into more just because of how it has resonated with people and I've been so appreciative. I mean, getting the first, I can still remember clearly the first time I got a note, a message from someone who had read it and said that it resonated with them and they felt seen. And that's exactly like more than I could have hoped for ever when I wrote the book. It really feels authentic to me. Like I also live with a chronic condition and a different one. I have Crohn's, but it really felt authentic in that it wasn't all of who she is. It's something yeah. she's dealing with that's happening to her that is scary because you don't understand all the things that are happening with your body and it's right. getting in the way of everything you want to be doing in life. But it's not all of who she is, right? She's not a right. she's not a cardboard cutout of a character. And I think you could write it that way because you have that personal experience. Right. And that's, and also her experiences are so individual and that, and she's kind of learning that as well. And that was something I was afraid of, honestly, when I wrote it, because it is such an individual illness. And so I just, I kind of had to tell myself, I, all I can do is write my own story as authentically as I can and, and hope that it maybe opens the door for other stories to be told because stories about people with Crohn's or other illnesses and disabilities, that would be amazing. Yeah, I'd like to see more of it in women's fiction and not like you say, the side character, right? <laughs> like right. exactly what, yeah. Tell more about the inspiration. So obviously it's coming from personal experience, but you decided to blend some other interesting themes yes. in here, right? It's very dramatic at the beginning of the novel. I, I don't know, does the blurb tell people what happens at the very beginning of the novel? It kind of does. It says, it, it says we're, that might be a little bit of a spoiler, but um, a workplace act of violence, we'll say. So that is, I mean, a con I, I have added content warnings to my website and I, you know, I wish I would have done it sooner, but you know better, you do better. And I've got that on my website now. So I hope that anyone will read those if, if they need that. Um, interestingly enough, I started out with two separate stories and, and you can probably see which, you know, having now that you're reading the book, what I'm talking about. But I quickly discovered um, that these were two different timelines of the same story. The idea for the act of violence at work comes from, I do, I work at a university and I've had just go through a lot of training, how I think a lot of people in education have. And it's very, it's very jarring and it's very, it's a scary thing to think about and to go through and it's, it's real life. And so I got these two separate story ideas that ended up being two parts, like I said, of the same story. And it really, it really fit, it really fit together in the end, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah, so this question might be related because I was going to ask you, like, did it change a lot during editing? So, I mean, obviously, if it started as two stories, that's yeah. a pretty big change. Yeah, but that's a huge one. And credit to my agent for, um, and there's, a, I'll have to send you the link to the blog post because I referenced it once where it's the thing plus the thing. And that's a lot of, like, I try to do that now with any story idea I have where, you know, you have someone with MS dealing with that. And that's, it's a great story in itself and should be told obviously, but, and then you all, you also have, they're thrown into this act of this scary act of violence at work. Like you have these, the thing plus the thing. And oftentimes that'll push an idea kind of to the next level, so to speak. Um, and I'll, I will send you that link because it was yeah, very I'll put that advice. I'll put that link in the show notes. So if folks go to the yeah. website at bestofwomensfiction.com, yeah. they'll be able to see that as well as yeah. the link to this book and your next book as well. Um, so, mm -hmm. Is there anything readers might be surprised to know is different in the final version than earlier versions? Yes, um, I was thinking about that. And part of the revising process, I changed the beginning and it's not huge. I mean, it would have, I changed the order of the parts, basically. It just would have started differently. It would have started with her at work, which 
it got there eventually. There were, I think, I hope there would have been nothing wrong with that beginning. But in the revising process, I realized I just really liked the MRI scene. I mean, not like I don't like MRIs. And so it's not like it was a totally fun scene. And yet it was fun to put it in some of the thoughts you go through. And I felt like it was it was a unique, authentic experience because it's something it, there are thoughts that I've had <laughs> laying in there for an hour and a half or whatever. And so I thought, what if I started with that? Because it really it's different, it's unique, but it also gives you immediate insight into her character and what she's going through. And so I think that really, I think it really helped as far as character I development. I agree. And it did a great job of setting a tone for the book. Yes. Because like yes. you say, it got you inside her head, right? Because what else can you do when you're in an MRI machine right. and you're not allowed to move, but be right, inside exactly. your own head. Yeah. But loud it also and... got, it got some of her sarcasm, some of her resiliency. Yeah. Like you really got to know her as a character because she's dealing with this experience, which is being inside the MRI machine. Right. Right. I thought it was actually an inspired way to start the book that got you oh, right into you. the character's head. I thought it worked really well. Thank you. Thank you. And I will, it's, it's like, I, I keep learning things where I think, you know, remember that next time where I'm like, I'm starting the book here, but if there's this one part that I keep coming back to them, like, wow, I really like that part. And then think about maybe that's where my book should start. And they say that, I mean, a lot, I remember back when you're querying where it's like quite often your book should, you start your book, but 50 pages in is where it gets going. Well, why aren't you starting there then? And so, you know, right. I, you just got to continue to learn and to, and to keep trying new things as you're writing, I guess. If, you're if you'll allow me, I'm actually going to read a review because I think this is a lovely review that captures okay. your book really well. Okay. And I just had from, like, <gasps> sorry. No, I was so trying one. to avoid it's, reviews because they're not. It's an endorsement. No, it's another <laughs> author. Don't worry. Um, it's uh, Susie, Susie Krauss, the author of Valencia oh. and Valentine. Susie is amazing. And, um, yes. And I just thought. I actually did read all the reviews to, to your point on like, oh, I actually went to Amazon and read the reviews because I love to see what readers pick up on a book. And what I saw for what it's worth is the word gripping is like the single most like frequent word in your reviews. Gripping, beautiful, authentic, accurate. Those are the words that came up again and again. So Can you like um, send those to me? Like that would be wonderful. <laughs> I need your so, daily affirmations or something. So I just thought this review was lovely because it captured those words. And I thought like if a reader was describing it like a writer does, this is what they yeah. would have said. So I thought yeah. this might be a good one. It says, gripping, compelling, and real. The Speed of Light is an incredible debut that lets you inside the mind of a woman whose life has been turned upside down, first by a life-changing medical diagnosis, then by an important new relationship, and then by an unimaginable tragedy at her workplace. Dickie weaves together a story that is impossible to put down. And even as it reminds you that your life, your own life could be irrevocably altered at any moment, it is filled with encouragement, wisdom, and warmth. A book that calls its reader to empathy and bravery. Wow. Yeah. What an endorsement I that know. is. It makes me cry. Yeah, that's <laughs> is, is so wonderful. And she's blurring my next book as well. So I'm very lucky too. Yeah. And she just captured it. I mean, that's so on that topic, tell me a little bit about the new one, which is coming yes. in June, I believe, which is really yes. close. So yes. What's it called and what's it about? Yes, June 7th. It's called Iris in the Dark. And I'm so excited because like you said, June is coming up quickly and I can't believe it. It is not a sequel. A lot of people have asked that. It is set in South Dakota, just like The Speed of Light. And much like The Speed of Light, it is women's fiction with elements of romance and suspense, but it's a different storyline. And it leans a little bit more towards suspense. And it follows the story of an overprotective single mother named Iris, 
who uh, agrees to house sit at a hunting lodge out on the South Dakota prairie. She thinks she can handle everything there, even the grumpy but handsome neighbor who she clashes with at first but ends up being quite a help. But then she starts, her son has found this box of old toys and in the night she hears a voice calling from this and she thinks based on what the voice is saying that it's someone from her past. And so this is again a dual timeline and readers are kind of slowly introduced to her past and the, the life she had lived. The timelines, they don't quite converge in the same way by any means as the speed of light, but this one's, like I said, a little bit more suspenseful and I don't want to give anything away, but I'm, I'm really excited about it and I love Iris and I love her journey and I hope that readers do too. Oh, that's fabulous. And how could it not be suspenseful at a hunting lodge? Like you like right. you got me right there. You've already got the creepy vibes going. Just starting right. with exactly. a hunting lodge. Exactly. So I have a question for you for some of our writer listeners, which is do yes. you have any advice for people? Your debut has done so well. It has so many great reviews. Readers love it. Do you have any advice for folks who are I don't know, maybe want to write a similar book or they're, yeah. you know, a few years away and they're trying to work out where to focus their energy. Like, what do you advise right. other writers? Yeah, I thought about that too. And it's, there's, you know, so many things I feel like so much advice out there and so many things I could say, but the one thing I keep coming back to, and I hope it doesn't sound too self-helpy, but is you have to give yourself permission to take your dreams seriously. And again, I feel like that's super self-helpy, but there was a definite shift for me when I did because there was no one holding me back but me. I, you know, we're moms, we're working, you're so busy, life gets in the way. And there's a lot of reasons that you shouldn't pursue this in your own, at least this is how I felt. There's guilt and there's everything. But I finally thought, no, I'm going to go for this. And it's it's scary to put yourself out there and tell people, you know, and let them know that, yes, I'm a mom, but I'm also an author. Or yes, I'm working here, but I'm also trying to get published, you know, in my off, off hours time. But for me, like I said, there was a shift once I believed in myself enough to put it out there, then it became a reality, it became something that can really happen. And I feel like it's just, I think that would help people. How did you get there? Like, like, how did you reach that point where you were willing to make that investment in yourself and put it front and center? <laughs> That's a good question. And it, it was definitely slowly, I feel like it was small little things that Looking back, I can remember when I was even embarrassed to pitch a tweet on Twitter. And I'm like, that's ultimately how I found my, I got into pitch wars and then eventually ultimately got my agent because of PibMed. So thank God I got over that fear, you know, things like that. But it was one step at a time. It wasn't like, boom, I quit my job and totally, you know, like did all this stuff. It was like right. one step at a time. Take that little first step, the thing yes, you're scared of, the little one. Exactly. And it'll lead to the bigger ones. And you know, they won't seem, the bigger ones won't seem so big once you've done the little one. But I've also been very, very blessed with people that have supported me. Like every time I've been afraid to say it or I think, you know, someone would laugh at me or something, everyone's been so nice. And my husband is just so supportive. And my kids, like when I, when I started, um, my kids are, you know, I've been at this for a while. When I first signed with my agent, I think my youngest was four. And now my youngest is turning 10 soon. And so they've gotten to see this progression and there is the guilt and there is the, you know, it's it gets easier as they get older, definitely, as far as getting some writing time, but they also get to see, you know, mom pursue this dream and persevere through rejection and, and make it happen. And I hope that that, you know, resonates with them and that that affects their following their dreams. So one of my favorite questions, and I know you're going to have some good recommendations for me, <laughs> yeah. any good book recommendations, anything Absolutely. you could recommend to our listeners? Definitely. Okay. 
first, I'm going to start with the first book I read in the pandemic, and I think it has become my comfort book. And one of the first books that I have read with great chronic illness rep, and that is Get a Life, Chloe Brown. I'm sure a lot of people have read it, um, Talia Hibbert, but it's just, it's just a phenomenal story. Like, it's just wonderful. I can't say enough good things about it. Yes, it was like the perfect combination of a great book at a time when I needed to read a great love story, comforting love story, plus this wonderful chronic illness rep when I was writing a, a book with chronic, chronic illness rep. But yeah, can't, I can't say enough good things about that. But the next one, too, I was lucky enough to read an early copy of The Darkest Web, which is coming out soon. It is Kristen Wright, Allison Barton series. I was lucky enough to blurb it. I was so honored to be asked to blurb it. Fantastic. I would, I mean, and you don't have to have read the first one. That's that's what's really good. And I feel like the mark of a wonderful writer is you don't have to have read the first one to follow this along. And the characters are so compelling and it's so page turning with, it's like a, a kind of a courtroom drama. I can see this being like a longstanding series with, because, you know, by the end, I'm like, okay, well, what's the next case going to be? And, you know, it's just exciting. And finally, I feel like I'm just super enthusiastic, but I've been so lucky to read such great books recently. But I'm right now reading Parting the Veil and talk about gorgeous covers. I don't know if you can see that. But um, I call it, isn't it? And the writing matches, the story matches. It's just so beautiful. Her writing, you just want to savor it. It's just beautiful. And it's like, it's a Gothic romance. It's set in historical England. And it's about a young woman who has inherited a home. And so she takes a ship over and, oh, the home is, happens to be next to this mysterious manor with a mysterious man that lives there. But it might be haunted as well. So it's like this spooky, swoony book. And I just, I'm loving it so much. So everyone should read all of those books. (laughs) So my last question for you is if folks want to keep up to date and they want to see what's going on with your new book and just keep up on your news, where do you hang out on social media? Is there anywhere you particularly like to be? I feel like I'm kind of all over the place. I've honestly started... I'm trying at TikTok. I'm, I'm doing the best I can there. I'm not the best. Um, I'm, I'm at Elissa Dickey there as well as Twitter, which is another one that I would say I'm on maybe the most. And all of them have links to because I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. And I feel like once you find one of them, you can, I'll have my link tree where you can get to the rest and to my website and stuff because I, I need to get better at like coordinating all my handles, I think. But. Great. Well, I will put the links to your social media Thank and you. the links to the books that you referenced. And of course, to your two books on the show notes on the website. So folks can find that at bestofwomensfiction.com. I'm so excited you agreed to join me. So thank, thank you, you so much. much. I appreciate it so much. I'm so grateful. And thank you so much for having me. For links to the books mentioned in this episode, the author's social media and the video version, please visit www.bestofwomensfiction.com. We also have a giveaway on the website. If you sign up for our newsletter, every month we give away any book from the podcast. Lastly, we'd love if you subscribed to the podcast and giving it a quick review or some stars really helps. 